Alright party people, so I'm trying to do this more consistently as I said before Which I'm recording this, you know to be timed out to be about a week after I posted my last Podcast, which is great. We are thriving I guess and we are on their pursuit either way I guess the biggest thing I was excited to kind of address before we get into this week's topic was there was an update in the Delphi murders right after, of course, I posted my last episode, which I was like kind of waiting to post because I was like, well, I, and every day I'd check while I was editing and I'd made sure like nothing else happened and I was waiting and I was waiting and then I posted it. And then, like, the next day I looked and they released the probable cause affidavit for the arrest of Richard M. Allen. And this was actually, like, with all the political jargon aside or police jargon, it was actually very, like, interesting to kind of read through this. Pretty much the biggest thing that the affidavit stated was they found a unspent round from a 40 cap 4.40 i think that's a 40 caliber i don't know anything about guns um unspent round um a couple week a couple feet from the bodies that tied back to richard m allen's pistol he had because they can you know like forensically like trace marks on like from the guns i guess i don't really know how they do that but yeah it was an unspent round and it had extraction marks so i guess probably that means it was like loaded in and then popped out kind of thing but either way they kind of detailed that on october 13th of 2022 a search warrant was executed at allen's residence where they kind of grabbed like his jackets and his weapons and his shoes and you know the normal stuff and kind of looked through everything because this was apparently the the evidence that they needed to do this and also along with that unspent round they did have some like witness testimony or i guess witnesses that kind of are placing him at the scene so they kind of go through like a group they redacted names obviously and stuff in this affidavit but it said there's like three juveniles who are walking on the trail and they described like a guy that they saw as kind of creepy and was wearing like similar clothes like jeans big bulky jacket hat whatever that we saw in like the video of bridge guy which is apparently richard allen they saw another or another woman saw these girls this group of girls and saw uh, like one dude matching the like video description on the bridge and then she also saw like when she left her came in her car she saw a car that was like backed up against this building that was i guess like an old like child protect services building that was like a good spot where people park to access the trail and they thought it was weird because this car they noticed it was backed up like almost like it was like hiding its license plate and i guess like cars don't seem to park there very often because another guy noticed this when he was driving by and these people kind of describe seeing like a small SUV or like a smart car backed up against that child services building. A- another woman saw a man on the trail, which is described as bridge guy, Richard Allen, wearing kind of that same outfit, walking away from the Monon High Bridge. Like he was going back to his car or leaving the bridge with muddy or and bloody clothes and she kind of said that it appeared he'd like gotten into a fight all these people kind of they use this to kind of deduce that 
seeing Richard Allen's gun and seeing that it matched the bullet and seeing all these people kind of placed, which I feel like this, like, it's hard because these, like, I'm not obviously the police and whatever, no way more than I do, but it's kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't, I thought, like, when they released this, it would be a lot more compelling and a lot more, like, solid evidence, I suppose, that, like, Richard Allen was this guy. Like, the only thing that I'm really, like, seeing that, like, links him to this crime is the fact that an unspent, shit, like, bullet from his gun was found. But, like, I don't know who's to say that, like, that didn't fall out a long time ago. And, like, I guess in the affidavit it said that he'd never been to that property. But it just seems strange to me that there's one bullet and that's kind of what links him in. Because all these witnesses, like, say they saw this guy. And I don't know, it didn't say, like, they picked Richard Allen out of a lineup or, like, knew, like, hey, I know that guy. They just were like, oh, yeah, I saw a guy that looked like this guy. And Richard Allen did say he was at the bridge at this time. And I guess maybe they just, with a lack of, like, not seeing him but seeing this other guy and, like, I don't know, maybe they just kind of put it together. There's definitely people that know way more about this than I do, but I just, I don't know. It's I'm curious to kind of see how the family feels about this. I think at least as of right now, I couldn't really find anything about like how they responded to this because they did want to keep this sealed. I'm wondering what they kind of are thinking right now since this did get released. And I know a lot of investigators as part of the case were like, hey, I think it's better if it doesn't get released for the case that they're doing, I think coming up in March. So I guess we'll see if anything else comes out or what people's response to this is. But just kind of interesting to actually kind of see how they apprehended this guy and why they think it is Richard Allen who killed Abby and Libby. But I got all that mostly from like an Indie Star staff report. You can just read the affidavit really anywhere, which actually was kind of interesting. It's like eight pages, but it really kind of lays out everything, you know, and you can kind of read it and see what you think, I suppose. The other thing I kind of talked about last week was the murder of those four college students out in Moscow, Idaho, which is super sad and super scary, obviously. I was at the gym today and of course, like Fox News was like, had some stupid headline, like college, like carnage or something dumb. Like, come on, I don't know. I just don't like Fox News, obviously. Either way, that is beside the point. But they were saying and how the investigators, I guess, somebody kind of slipped up or addressing the press and kind of alluded that they think this was a targeted attack where before they said they don't think they were targeted or like the killer was like picking out or like watching the victims before they were all murdered. But that's pretty much all like anyone has really been talking about. I think it's been two and a half, two weeks since the murders and they don't really seem to have any leads. There's no suspects, no, no nothing, which... Is scary because all the kids are not kids college students came back from thanksgiving break this week and they did get like an option i guess to not come back and do like online classes but that's just so scary like college is supposed to be fun and like i don't know that just sucks that that is something they have to deal with because that is super duper scary i guess on a Less serious and sad note. I can just do a little, you know, life corner, I guess. Maybe anybody watched the new Wednesday show on Netflix. That's all, like, really anyone's talking about. So I kind of sound like a broken record saying how much I love it. It's so good. I do kind of wish that they'd... I mean, maybe this was out of people's control, but, like, why didn't they drop this around Halloween or, like, before Halloween? Because this would be the perfect fall show. It's got, like, kind of the spooky little atmosphere to it. 
And the girl that plays Wednesday, people have said her name a million times, but I just cannot remember it, is so good. She's so good. And her roommate, who's supposed to be like a werewolf, is awesome and colorful and has little pigtails. I don't think I'm gonna give any spoilers to this, but just go watch the show. You'll know what I'm talking about. We, My mom and I literally binged it on Black Friday. We just sat down and watched the whole thing and I regret nothing. It was in a fantastic time. And like my parents were like geeking out because they watched the Addams Family, I guess, when they were younger. And I never watched it, but you don't have to watch it to kind of like get what's going on. But the guy with the ponytail, that's the artist, annoys the crap out of me coffee shop guy mm, whatever he seems sus too everyone in the show seems sus you know it's great it's a great show i would definitely recommend watching it i've been pretty much telling everyone to watch it that i've spoken to but what else did i watch? i guess i watched that pepsi where's my jet show which was interesting an interesting kind of like short little documentary series i like the premise of it i think it's very interesting and like go do go off on these like big companies because they screw people over all the time but the two like dudes that are in it are typical like oh, i'm gonna do this because like i'm a bro and i can do what i want and it's just this like way too much like masculine like think you're like the hottest shit ever energy nah, so i wish like they weren't in it but like the legal battles and stuff are really interesting i think stormy daniels was the the lady her lawyer was part of it and it was kind of the same thing, just the same, just basket case head dude energy. But it was very interesting. If you're looking kind of like a short documentary series to watch, it trying to just buy the time over here. Or else really not a, not a lot's been going on. I kind of mentioned, I guess last time that I was moving and I'm in still the process of moving and I'm an idiot and I canceled my charter to like yesterday, which is about a good probably 27 days before I'm gonna be out of this place. So the next 27 days, I hope I have like unlimited data because I'm using my hotspot on my phone right now and that is gonna get used up. Or I think I'm gonna go to coffee shops a lot and kind of like sit there, just spend a lot of money on coffee, which is my ideal thing to do. If you live in Milwaukee, Rochambeau is my shit. That is the best coffee shop ever. They make like cool, the coolest drinks. I need to try their tea because I do really like tea. I guess I got a London Fog there at one time, but they're like a tea house and their hours are super weird though. They're open like 9 a.m. to like 7 p.m., which is like definitely like for students, but it's annoying because I'd want to go for work and I'd have to go at like seven and they're not open. Maybe I'll go there. They also have booze, which is fun because I got like a coffee drink one time there. that was like coffee with like booze, whatever in it. They claim to make the best Irish coffee in Milwaukee, which, I mean, if you put booze and coffee together, it's gonna taste fine. But, oh, I got one drink there. It was called, like, the Date Night or something, and they put a bunch of different, like, liquor, liqueurs, whatever, in it, and I was sitting there for a couple hours, like, nursing this thing and working on, like, job applications or something stupid that made me want to put my head through a wall. It really made it much more enjoyable, much more enjoyable time, which, I guess, if you're really, like, just working on something at a coffee shop, having, like, the booze option... Great time. My manager was telling me that there was this coffee shop. We both went to the same college, go UW Lacrosse, go Eagles. We went to the same school and we were talking about like our favorite places in lacrosse the other day. And he was saying how he would go to this one coffee shop that also had food and he would just get a downtown Brown, which is a Pearl Street beer if you're in the lacrosse area, which is, you know, we know how we feel about Pearl Street and a big bowl of chili. And then he would just sit there for a couple hours and study. And I'm like, that's such a great idea. Why did I not do that? So college kids out there, take advantage of drinking and studying. You can do it together and it's fine. And then if you get too drunk, you just stop and go do something else. Go out to the bar. Somebody will go with you. What a great time. But yeah, that was that. Not a lot really else to say on the matter. It's getting cold as 
dick in Milwaukee right now. It is so frigid. Like, it was like 60 maybe the other day, and now today it was like 25. It's the dumbest thing ever. I'm so excited to move somewhere where the atmosphere is more hospitable to living organisms in general because Wisconsin winters suck. They're awful. My sister goes to school over in Minnesota and she's in the middle of nowhere and they already have like six inches of snow. I just so excited to not have to deal with that in a couple, couple weeks. Anyway, so back to what we were talking about today. The story or the tale, the, the legend I'm going to talk about is something I have been very interested in. I love cryptids. I think they're so cool and awesome. I've been interested in this one particular for a long time. I was it for Halloween this year and I kind of had this idea in my head that I wanted to do this for a couple years now and I finally just executed and like got my life together. But I'm gonna do Mothman today and we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna love it, live it, act like we're in West Virginia, I guess. So this all starts November 12th, 1966 in Clendalit, Clendenin, 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 sorry. West Virginia, that was really, really, really bad. I'm so bad at reading. A group of five Dave Grigger, Dave, well, grave diggers in a cemetery saw like a big flying thing moving super fast from tree to tree and they described it as a brown human being, which, and they all saw this and they were all just like, what the heck is that thing? Three days later on the 15th, Two couples reported seeing a creature in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is where our story will take place. But they were driving near the abandoned National Guard Armory building and power plant, which is kind of referred to as the TNT area around there, which is badass. And they reported seeing a white-winged creature that was six to seven feet tall standing in front of their car. And they'd kind of see it like shuffle out of a cornfield. And they said it was really clumsy and kind of like walked like a penguin. But then big creature came out that they told the Point Pleasant Register had bright like red eyes. They were like six inches apart. It had like a 10 foot wingspan and was trying to like dodge the headlights of their car, you know? And anyway, this creature was like octonal penguiny and they got in front of the car and like shot up like a, like a helicopter, they said. It just kind of like shot up in the air. And the creature was super fast and they drove away because they were like, what the fuck is that? And apparently they floored this thing, got to like 100 miles an hour, which can you do that with cars in the 60s? I feel like they were like barely inventing the wheel at that point. That's an exaggeration. But they said the Mothman, as it would come to be named, flew about like 100 miles an hour because it was keeping up with them. Then they kind of avoided it. And they ended up apparently like getting into town and then going back out and then seeing it again, like out in this field and then going back into town. And then they finally were like, maybe we should tell the police. And so they went to the police and they reported the sighting to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. Authorities went out, probably with their flashlights, hands on their guns, being like, we're going to find this bird or whatever they thought it was. And they didn't find anything. Shocker. And November 16th, people started hearing about this. The issue of the Point Pleasant Register titled, Couple Sees Manside Bird, Ellipses, Creature, Ellipses, Something. This with like their little story about the big creature they saw out in this field triggered a lot of other people to come forward and be like, hey, I've been seeing some weird shit too. 
people like started freaking out. On the 14th, Newell Partridge's German Shepherd, a bandit, which is an adorable dog name. I'm putting that in my dog name list right now. Does anyone else have like, so I don't want children and I never have and I'm very bad and uncomfortable with them. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm gonna drop them. But I have like a list of dog names instead of baby names. And when I like hear somebody be like, oh, I'd like a baby name. It's like, no, I'm gonna name my dog that. My dog, maybe, Bandit, good name. Good name for a dog. Anyway, Bandit ran into this guy's woods after two like glowing red circles that he saw. Partridge went out to find Bandit's little paw print going in circles. And then, I don't know how he told this, apparently he's like an expert tracker, just kind of vanished. So I guess the dog like walked into it, did the circles and then didn't walk out as if he got just plucked off the ground. People in like the papers were kind of skeptical, but they started naming this thing Mothman and they kind of thought it was like a bird or some mysterious creature, which is a big ass bird apparently because they're saying this thing's freaking huge. Sightings continued over the next year in numerous like towns in this area. A resident of Salem, West Virginia said that he saw like strange patterns on the TV and sounds coming from outside, which probably was just your TV because it's like 1960s. And when did TV start to get color? Because I feel like my mom, who's not that old, like she probably grew up in like late 70s, early 80s, whatever, said that it was like a big deal when they got a color TV. So was this TV in like black and white and you had to like adjust the antennas and like smack it on the top to make it like turn on? Either way. So he heard weird noises coming from outside and then he went to investigate and he saw two red eyes looking back at him and then his dog disappeared too. So apparently Mothman has an appetite for the old hounds. Either way, people started questioning, what is this Mothman that everyone is seeing? Dr. Robert L. Smith, who is an associate professor of wildlife biology at West Virginia University, thinks it's a sandhill crane. Everyone is like bird. Anyway, they think it's a sandhill crane which can be as tall as a person, and it has like red skin around its eyes. If you look these things up, they're kind of ugly. And I've like seen these because they're, I think they kind of like live where I live. They don't get that tall. Like these things aren't that big. They're, they're cranes, they're like birds, big birds. But anyway, that's what he thought they were. And this led to ideas that, hey, maybe it's a deformed or like mutated crane that people are seeing as Mothman. Because as I said before, this TNT area was named by the locals because of a series of bunkers that they used to make like military equipment that ended in like World War II, which leads to like maybe some toxic chemicals leached out of these bunkers because people love to pollute and mutated some bird and made Mothman. And near the old West Virginia Ordnance Works, which is like a abandoned munition manufacturing area, it is littered with like these thick concrete domes that are called igloos, which you should look up if you should like look at the pictures of this area. I should start like an Instagram so I can kind of like put these pictures up so people know what I'm talking about. They're like one person that's ever going to listen to this because these things are creepy. It looks like the would be the perfect place to start a haunted house. People just start like, using these places and put a haunted house there, run that shit year round. I don't care, I'll go to it in the summer. Anyway, in 1979, a fisherman noted there was an environmental disaster going on due to the chemicals that were like seeping into ponds. And by 1883, the TNT area was one of the country's most polluted sites. It's kind of got like a Lake Erie situation going on. But so this all led to these people thinking, chemicals, water, birds, mothman. They saw what was going on. 
Apparently there was also people pulling like the vigilante like Batman mode and like pranking people and acting like they were Mothman. And they found one guy that was hiding in this like abandoned World War II missions plant where like a few of these sightings occurred. So then people just start dismissing this because they're like, it's just some whack job running around in the old munitions plant acting like a bird. Some witnesses were also told by the apparent men in black to not speak of Mothman. Get back to this later. Mothman is also kind of similar to two other cryptids that are pretty popular. So large thunderbirds, I think I guess they're like an old like Native American kind of folklore are large birds with gray bodies and red heads that were kind of seen around this Appalachia area. And also an owl man, which was sighted in Cornwall, England in 1976, looked similar to Mothman. So maybe he left and emigrated to England because they have better tea, I guess, fish and chips. For Mothman. Either way, people also kind of theorized that these were people's manifested like sleep paralysis demons because they kind of the Mothman like dark big figure resembles kind of archetypes that have been seen across people that are diagnosed with sleep paralysis and report seeing things. And I don't know if you've ever had sleep paralysis, but that is the scariest thing ever. When I I had it one time, and people maybe like come at like maybe this isn't sleep paralysis, but like I woke up. And I didn't see anything, but I was like laying sideways in my bed and I could not move. It was so strange. I remember like trying to like pick my head up because I was like laying on my side. And I was trying to like pick my head up or like roll over and I could not move because I was scared because I like kind of you're also like very conscious at the moment when you wake up because waking up and realizing like, oh shit, I'm not moving how I want to really like kicks your brain on real fast. So I was trying to like roll over and I could not move. And one of my friends has like, he told me this story about when he had sleep paralysis, who he also only had like one time. And his was like scarier. He kind of like did, had the more like actually seeing like a, a little sleep paralysis demon, which I thankfully did not have that happen to me because I probably would have peed my pants. But yeah, he, people, sleep paralysis, not to mess with, very scary. But they kind of theorized that Mothman was kind of like, embodied of what people kind of see when they like go into sleep paralysis because it kind of builds off like your fears and like it twists with your brain and kind of like takes on maybe like an animal characteristic and then you get really scared which your brain does weird things so this kind of i don't know this is the one thing that i was like that makes kind of some good sense another thing also is these theories and such continued throughout the year and from 1966 to 1967 at least like a hundred people reported seeing mothman which is crazy but typical there really were no good pictures of him but that's besides the point these sightings kind of continued up until one point on december 15th 1967 the silver bridge collapsed killing 46 people and injuring nine this bridge the silver bridge was constructed in 1928 and connected point pleasant west virginia to canauga canauga ohio i might be pronouncing that wrong i feel like a bad midwesterner just like really messing these names up because people say wisconsin has really confusing names like I've seen people trying to pronounce like Onalaska, which is a it's a town that was by me, or like Oconomowoc, or what's another Fond Fond du Lac's easy. There's some like weird. There are weird like they're not weird names. They are like typical for people to pronounce. Anyway, I feel like I'm being bad because I cannot pronounce whatever these words are. Tangent. We're back. 
put it back in the lane. Here we go. This silver bridge was the first I-bar suspension bridge in the US. And apparently this is like kind of the cheaper way than constructing like a steel cable bridge, like the Golden Gate Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge. And the silver bridge had 4,000 vehicles crossing it like every day. So it was pretty, pretty busy place. But the bridge collapsed during rush hour, as I said before, on the 15th, December 15th. 31 vehicles fell into the river and 64 people went into the river and the water was 44 degrees that day, which is freaking freeze. Did, I don't know, does anyone else? Oh, sorry, my fridge just turned on and scared the crap out of me. Do like the polar plunge. I guess if you live in a colder area, that's a thing, but people would like raise money and then go jump into the water in like February to raise money for obviously a good cause of for like charity. It's so incredibly cold. Going into the water in the winter is not a joke. This silver bridge collapse occurred just over a year after the first Mothman sighting. And after this, kind of the Mothman sightings kind of started to peter out. People were thinking, hey, maybe this was like Mothman warning us that this was gonna happen. But this silver bridge collapse was caused by a failed I-bar suspension that was 55 feet long, two inches thick and 12 inches wide. And this just like kind of fractured. This was also described as like placed in a way where engineers and maintenance crews would have not been able to detect this. So maybe Mothman knows a little something, something about engineering, apparently, that he knew this before the people that built this bridge did. The American Bridge Company, who built the bridge and won the bid for this project, settled on using these I-bars, as I said before, because it was cheaper than steel wire. There's a lot of accounts from people who were on the bridge at this time. Ben Cedar, who's a salesman, crossed this bridge like every day, um, including 15 minutes before the Silver Bridge collapsed. And he said that he worried about the bridge every time he crossed it and said, quote, if you got stuck in the middle of the bridge, it would wave like back and forth and back and forth. And this sounds terrifying because I also hate being on bridges. It freaks me out. I don't remember where, the, I think it's over Lake Pontchartrain down in Louisiana. It's like us like the, the bridge is like seven miles long. It's crazy. When you're in the middle of this bridge, you're just like wanting to get off so bad. It's so scary. And that bridge is like concrete and it doesn't move, but that is terrifying. No, thank you. This collapse resulted in bridge inspection standards that came out in 1968. Even after the Silver Ridge collapse, Mothman kind of dissipated out a little and people didn't see him as much. He gained popularity. Didn't mean to give Mothman a gender, but I'm guessing it's a dude. Um, in 1975, John Keel wrote the Mothman prophecies, which tied Mothman to the bridge collapse, as well as some UFO activity. This led to a flood in like conspiracy theories and ufologists and paranormal fans flocked to Point Pleasant all the freaking time. This Mothman prophecies was also made into a movie in 2002, which had Richard Gere in it, which is on my list of things to watch. Should I have watched it before I done this? Yes, sir. There is also a ton of tourism going on in Point Pleasant because of this. There is a 12 foot tall chrome statue of Mothman like right downtown in Point Pleasant and they have a Mothman festival every year in September as well as like a big museum which is on my like bucket list places to go. Point Pleasant freaking West Virginia to this goddamn Mothman museum because I want to see this freaking statue and learn about Mothman and get a t-shirt hopefully. Maybe like a keychain. Either way, Mothman also kind of traveled outside of Point Pleasant. People believed that they tied or like saw Mothman 
in Chernobyl in 1986 before the disaster. They would like see him like flying over Chernobyl. The Mexican slime flu outbreak had some reports of people seeing a winged figure as well as the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima, Japan. People report seeing a Mothman-like figure scaring miners away before a mine collapse in Germany and two photos on 9-11. Mothman is also tied to a cryptid mania renaissance as described by Rosemary Hathaway who is an associate professor of English at the West Virginia University. The kind of like fascination in Mothman, along with the sheep squatch, sheep squatch, sheep squatch, and the Flatwoods monster, which are also like local cryptids, is seen with like a resurgence of traditional storytelling in small towns. She talked about this very hoity-toity, which I respect. You're an English professor. That is what you do. It was pretty much just people in small towns are bored and like, I know in my small town, if we had a cryptid that was like exclusive to us, that thing would be mascot of the high school. There would be a museum. There would be parades. We would do field trips constantly about it. This just, I think, is something like kind of cool. Small towns. It's like it's almost like a bragging right. It's not a bragging right, but it's just like something cool to talk about. There's nothing else to talk about out there, but like corn and fields and woods and deer. Who knows? Point Pleasant also was rumored to have a porthole to an alternate realm due to sightings of UFOs, poltergeist, light phenomena, and other cryptids, which I said before, like Flatwoods Monster, Sheep Squatch. The Flatwoods Monster was something that I haven't really heard much of, so I kind of started to look into it as like a little side branch of this whole thing. And the Flatwood Monster is also called the Green Monster. And in Flatwoods, West Virginia on September 12th, 1952, six boys who were aged 10 to 17, a dog and a mom report seeing this Flatwoods Monster. One of these boys peed his pants and the dog ran away with his tail in between his legs. So people were spooked by this thing. And they saw apparently like a red pulsing light that was like blip, blip, blipping through the sky, crash onto this hill. So all the boys were like, this is exciting. West Virginia in the 50s, even less to do than now. Ran up to the hill to see like what this was onto this farm. And they investigated to find a quote, Frankenstein-like monster. This 10 foot tall monster had like a red body with a green face that seemed to kind of glow. And it had this like pointed hood thing that kind of looked like a like a spades, like a, on the cards, like a spade, with eyes that came off a green orange kind of light. It really just looks like an alien, like a cool ass alien. And that's kind of what people thought it was because it got kind of roped into Project Blue Book. So the US Air Force investigated the Flatwoods Monster as a UFO inquiry in part of Project Blue Book, which was launched by Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Captain Michael Quinn. And they, the goal of Project Blue Book, I, there's people that know so much about this, and I do not. I did a quick 45 minute deep dive, shallow dive into Project Blue Book, but basically the goal was to use science to determine causes of unexplained UFO sightings. It's pretty much the government trying to shit on our fun and the truth. Clay Routledge, a behavioral psychologist and studier of UFO beliefs and culture, calls these sightings in the media outbreak seduced by the story and part of cosmic loneliness, which cosmic loneliness is something I can freaking relate to. Mostly the loneliness, but cosmic loneliness sounds better. He also attributed the panic over like atomic bombs and movements in scientists, which is like the mad scientist movement, which is kind of understandable. Like after World War II, 
we like made some pretty big leaps in science. And people are kind of freaking out because like communism was on the rise. Thank you, Senator Joseph McCarthy, go Wisconsin. And people were seeing a lot of freaking UFOs, which is awesome. Project Blue Book 2 is kind of funny, I think. They definitely brought like this doctor dude in or whatever. He's a doctor. I don't know what he's a doctor of. Shallow research. And they were like, hey, debunk all these UFO things. And they did end up investigating 12,618 sightings of UFOs from 1947 to 1969. And 701 of them still remain unidentified. So this kind of just backfired a little bit because yes, people probably most of the time are seeing just like airplanes and being like, holy crap, I don't know what that object is. It is unidentified as some may say, but kind of cool that they still couldn't figure some of these things out. They classified the Flatwoods monster as a meteor and an owl. So they think these boys saw a meteor going through the sky, ran up onto this hill, saw an owl, which is apparently like the biggest freaking owl ever. Flatwoods, much like Point Pleasant, has kind of grasped onto this little monster thing and now dubbed itself Home of the Green Monster. And it has a museum as well as a Flatwoods Days Festival, which I really hope lands close to the Mothman Festival because that would be a awesome road trip. Going on a road trip, learning about some aliens, some monsters, some cryptids. I think that's really all I ever want to do. I guess that was really all I had to say. I kind of want to do something a little bit lighter this week because I feel like last week was a big bummer, which it was, and still continues to be a bummer, but we'll kind of see how that unfolds. I'll keep trying to keep this up week by week. I should figure out something to do like at the end of these things, like a little like thing we do every week, you know, as like as a family, a family of one. But yeah, I guess that was all. Thanks to anyone who really listened to this. Have a great rest of your day. So I guess this is going to be a reoccurring theme on this podcast of me forgetting to cite my sources, which, you know, naughty, naughty. But I used a lot of uh, information off an All That's Interesting article checked by Jacqueline Anglis, a Folklife article by Gwen Mallow, a cryptid wiki on Mothman, at cryptids.fandom.com, which is an awesome URL. An article by Matt Ryman, um, which is like a timeline um, of the deadliest bridge disaster in U.S. history. A Silver Bridge disaster article from the Charleston Gazette. History.com article by Roy Wenzel. And the Project Blue Book article on archives.gov slash research slash military slash air force. But yeah, I guess in my last episode too, it's also brought to my attention that I meant to send my sources and apparently I did not do that because it just cut out. So, cause you know, I'm just, I'm trying to start to learn to use GarageBand. So I'm very sorry, but maybe I'll just put the references for that one in the description if I'm intelligent enough to figure out how to do that. We're checking out for the second time. I will talk to you guys again over this. So see you later. Bye-bye.